This episode is brought to you by Ravenheart Forge. Recently, Emmett finished a commission for me of a beautiful custom-made rondel. It's the first he's made, and it looks stunning. Emmett, you still need to send me your bank details for that, buddy, because I've got to pay you for it. If you'd like to check out some truly superb metalwork, visit www.ravenheartforge.com or search Facebook for Ravenheart Forge. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Blades for Days, where we're going to be talking about swords and sword fighting and boring viruses versus interesting viruses and chopping people up with tomahawks. I'm your host, Jordan, and joining me today is the head honcho of Oxford School of the Sword and fellow furist, Emilia Skirmont. Hello. Hi. Hey, there you go. <laughs> How you doing? Okay? Yes, yes, I'm fine. How are you? Uh... I'm all right. I'm actually really relieved because this morning I had like my first ever filling um, put in and I, I didn't know. Oh. Yeah, it was fine. I didn't know what was involved, but they, they used a lot of anesthetic um, and uh, I've, I've never had local anesthetic before. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And half my face was sort of like drooping down. I was like, oh no, if this hasn't worn off by you know the time I do the podcast so I know. yeah um so my morning coffee was terrible because most of it went down the front of my uh t-shirt so yeah yeah other than that I'm great I, I know the feeling I know the feeling so yeah <laughs> how are you doing okay yeah I'm fine I'm trying to recover after my uh defil submission so PhD yeah. submission yeah yeah, I bet you're. Um, I bet you're really looking forward to getting into Hema now, because. Yeah, yeah, I was on kind of a hiatus so for a year now. Uh, I was, I was, I have couple of lessons. I gave couple of lessons when we were on like a more, uh, you know, not that many restrictions were in place. Yeah. But that was just a couple of lessons and then again, nothing, so. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm guessing like you've been hugely busy and you're probably, I'm, I'm guessing more sick of COVID than maybe anybody else in the world. I'm, I must say, I like viruses, I'm a virologist, so I must like them, and I, I, I really like them, but COVID and SARS-CoV-2 is really boring right now, I really wish, I, I miss other viruses, I miss, I miss influenza, I miss Ebola, I miss them. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's not something you hear every day, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, no, I, you know, I mean, things are opening up for us now and I, it, it's kind of weird because, you know, we have all this kind of, everybody's going, no, we're opening on this date. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's cool. Like genuinely, I'm really excited about that. I'm also like, I don't know, worried, I guess, because, um, you know, a lot of my students have, have sort of started after the second lockdown and, you know, that they're, they're super into it. And, I, I, I don't want to do it again, you know. 
Yeah, I I know what you mean. Uh, obviously, my school was closed, so we don't have that many uh, people. We didn't have any people start, uh, but uh, still, it's a bit worrying because the track and trace is still in place, and that's fine. That should be in place. Uh, I'm a bit worried about all the restrictions lifting up. Uh, so suddenly even though it, i know everybody are tired and it's exciting but still yeah. uh, if uh, it quite a lot of clubs will struggle because they will be just getting these track and trace calls telling you that yeah somebody in your club was in contact with somebody who got covid and then you need to close everybody uh, everything and then go to 10 days quarantine so it will be a bit hard to start yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but still, I mean, like, I've been talking to Keith Farrell today about starting up the, you know, starting up a club after COVID and, you know, the kind of things that you sort of do in preparation, like, okay, th this is what we're going to do. We've got these, like, all these goals, um, you know, for ourselves, for our students. And that's cool. That's, it, you know, that's quite exciting. Um, so School of the Sword in Oxford. Um, I mean, I love Oxford. Oxford's Oxford's an amazing an amazing place. It's just a terrible place to drive. Um, every time we've been there, Melissa and I, we get like we get ticketed um, for something. So. Yeah, that's that's the highlight of Oxford. It's it's uh, it's a city made for carriages and horses, but not for, for cars. Yeah, um, so that's like a pain in the ass. So it's like it's really, it's it's always really expensive when we go to Oxford. But uh, other than that, you know, it's it's a great place. Um, yeah, I I mean, how long has School of the Sword in Oxford been going now? Oh, uh, I mean, uh, so let's say it's still going because my students are still meeting every Saturday in the park <laughs> and, cool. they're, and they're doing sparring there. So without me, because I'm working on Saturdays because it seems that the virologists are quite, quite in demand still. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, they're still meeting every week. So I'm very proud of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um... it, I was going to say, do you get FOMO, like fear of missing out? A little bit, but I'm also so overworked that <laughs> it's, in fact, I, I feel bad that I'm not there and I'm not, not at least watching them because it's like 10 minutes walk from my house. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very, very bad instructor at the moment. Uh, and <laughs> don't take care of my students but i hope they i hope they still like me um, uh, but uh it will be oh my god i think it will be three years right oh, yeah? now yeah oh that's cool that's like um the same amount of time that we've been open although you know half of that we've been closed but yeah <laughs> yeah um so that's cool um because I was listening to your AMA with Fran um, that you did. I think you were the first, were you the first person she did a podcast with? Like an AMA? Uh, I think Lynette was first and I was the second. I oh, cool. Okay. I think so. I yeah. Think so. Or maybe the other way around. Uh, one of the first. Yeah. 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 And I was listening to that and um, 
you were talking about uh, the Witcher school that you taught in. Um, and I like, but the, it was really annoying. It was really frustrating because it's like, oh yeah, I taught this Witcher school and you talk a little bit about it and then you just move on. And I was like, no, I want to hear more about that. What, what was that about? Um, so uh, in Poland, before I moved to the UK, which was uh, 11 years ago, uh, I was uh, organizing also LARP events and stuff like that. And from then I had some contacts in Poland in this LARPing community. Uh, I don't do much anymore, but yeah, <laughs> still have contacts. Uh, and I uh, and they were looking for people to teach sword fighting there. And since I teach sword fighting and I'm an instructor and they needed people who speak Polish because it was international school. So there were people coming from all around the world, but uh, they needed somebody who speak Polish and English uh, because uh, all the briefings and all the like, uh, you know, uh, all the uh, not game staff was in Polish uh, because uh, like organizers, not all of them speak English. Yeah. So they needed somebody who speak Polish, English, and also can teach sword fighting. And I said, uh, yeah, why not? So I applied and they, they were interested. And it was, it was very interesting, uh, uh, interesting uh, experience, I must say, because before they were trying, the, the previous teachers they had, they were trying to teach more like, a, I know, LARP, and and you know uh, some some stuff which doesn't work really uh, in uh, on the streets. <laughs> no, <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> some stuff which does not really work in like fights. It's not in manuals or something like that. But it's very flashy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I tried to uh, teach them actual sword fighting and actual and Fiore because that's 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 my favorite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very and I think that's also quite nice uh, system because it's it does it's not only sword fighting it's also grappling it's also all these other uh, types of fighting and they it is not hard to grasp so i think uh, at least uh, unless you i don't know have two left hands or something i don't know <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah i i was teaching them like proper sword fighting and i was very happy because quite a lot of people after this uh, witcher school were contacting me uh, and asking if I know anybody in their cities or countries who teach sword fighting and quite a lot of people signed up to the two clubs, to uh, HEMA clubs afterwards. So I, I guess it was a success. <laughs> <laughs> just feed them, just feed them into the HEMA clubs. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, no, I like that. Teach Fiore because you can use that on the mean streets of medieval <laughs> Nuremberg. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, th that's the same reason I like Fiore is because it's, you know, it, it it's one of those things where I was teaching because at the moment we're doing Polax in, in class and it's great fun. Um, it's a massive challenge because it's like, you know, uh, like it's just such a different weapon to anything else that we've used. It's much bigger. And 
during lockdown, I've got I've got a Polaxe. I've got a Polaxe here, which I hold on. I'll just show you that. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've got a Polaxe here, which I use, and I go at the back and I I do some sort of like uh, drills with that. And then we went into class, and I was like, okay, guys, just do this. And they're like, yeah, how do you get it from this side of your body to this side of your body? And um, yeah, I was like, all oh, right, yeah. Um, and so it was it was good because it then had to make me go back to the basics of, of moving a weapon around again, which is really nice. Um, like I picked up, uh, I got a Montante uh, black fencer yesterday and uh, I spent the whole day just swinging this Montante around. And like, by the time I got in, I was just broken, you know? <laughs> so yeah, um, I think sort of stuff like Fury where it's like, here's the dagger and this is how this moves and how this works. And then, you know, this is also the Polax and it's the same kind of movement really. Um, it's just a bigger weapon. Uh, it, that's great. And one of the things that I was doing with the student is I, I, I did this sort of like takedown um, and we went into grappling and did a takedown. And they went, yeah, but that's not in the Polak section. And I was like, well, no, it's in the grappling section, but it's all the, it's all holistic. It's all the same thing. So you, you can do that. That's okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Polak is very good weapon for pandemic. It's very long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was I was thinking that when all the toilet paper was going like was disappearing, I was like, well, I guess uh, you know, <laughs> I guess we're going to the shop. I'm going to win this argument. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I guess like because you do rapier as well, don't you? Uh, I do a lot of different stuff, but yes, also also rapier, uh, also rapier. Although when I think about it, I don't. Even no, I think I got first into longsword, uh, and then no, maybe yes, 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 <laughs> and then more uh, like one-handed weapons, and amongst them rapier. And I was I'm I do different styles in rapier. I'm not that uh, not that uh, you know. Uh, concentrated on one style here. Mm. As for the longsword, I do mostly Fiore. Uh, I try different ones, but they're not that much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I, I've done some, I did some Lichtenhauer stuff with my old instructor. And it was like, okay, you bind here and you mutate up here and then you do this. And then, and I was like, why am I not just pommeling them in the face? You know, why don't I just grab their sword and pommel them in the face until they, you know, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, but it's not graceful. It's not graceful. And I'm like, I know, I don't care. Like, <laughs> just, you know, it's, it's, it's effective, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, rapier is one of those weapons that everybody think is, everybody thinks it's like, oh, it's elegant and it's only thrusting and all this, but there's some like brutal stuff in rapier as well. It's... It depends, like when people think rapier, it's a bit misleading because the rapier was a weapon which was present for a very long time. Uh, and even uh, we still don't know, even side swords, which are like these transitional weapons uh, from like, uh, sword to rapier. In fact, some people are saying that it's hard to say if 
side like if side swords are not side swords are not really like just heavy rapiers and for example with the uh, german uh, war rapiers they they are huge that's that's the weapon which you hold with one hand but you need to hold it for example like that so just to support it somewhere because it's very heavy and the blade is also very wide so it's it's uh, like a bit between rapier and side sword so it is very muddled up uh, <laughs> when it goes to rapier side sword and all of these one-handed weapons uh, and uh, i think that when people think rapier they too much think of it uh, almost like a small sword and in fact it's not true because with rapiers you can you can also cut it doesn't need to be thrust uh, i think thrust was mostly uh, like shown as a stage fight thing because with rapiers uh, you can do a lot of different stuff and it can be very brutal uh, i'll be teaching a lesson uh next week next saturday uh, at the event and it will be about dirty tricks in rapier and it will be like kicking in the shins it will be dumb <laughs> it will be all this stuff i'm a purist so i need to do that <laughs> every time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these things also existed and they existed in manuals. It's not that I just made them up. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I get that. It's just like, this is just the stuff I do. Um, yeah, no, funnily enough, uh, tonight's class is about one particular um, play in Furo, which is about kicking your opponent in the groin. Um, <laughs> or it just says, um, in, I think it's the Florius manuscript, I don't, I don't know if this is in the original Italian, but this is the translation where it says, if you destroy his testicles, it's not just kick him in the testicles, it's if you destroy his testicles, then he'll have no more fight in his heart. And I'm like, yeah, probably. You know, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Um, I, and I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna teach you how to do that. I'm just gonna teach you how to counter it because just in case somebody tries it out, you know? um but yeah I, i've seen some of the like i i've not really used rapier very much um but i i've seen some of the fights that uh the thomas brothers from the academy of historical fencing have had on their youtube channel and it's really funny looking at the comments because you get people in the comment section just going no that's 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 not rapier you know and it's like well it, it kind of is though you know <laughs> It is, it is, and you can see it. Uh, Giganti, for example, have some plays which are quite, quite brutal, and uh, Saviola as well. So there is, there is a lot of, uh, there is a lot of manuals uh, when it goes to rapier as well, uh, from like all different schools, all different nations, and every single nation have a bit different, uh, a bit different way of approaching the rapier. I would say that English rapier is much different than French rapier and Italian rapier and obviously Spanish rapiers, uh, rapier destreza is totally different. So uh, it's, it's, it's not like single, uh, single system uh, with just one, one teacher. Uh, it's, it's, but with longsword, it's the same. There is Fjore, there is Lichtenauer, there is Meyer, and German longsword is different than, for example, Italian longsword. So, yeah, <laughs> I um, I I quite like just 
yeah, brutal weapons. And I know that you you teach um, tomahawk as well. Oh my god, that's my that's my that's my love. <laughs> I love tomahawk. Tomahawk is amazing. Everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's um. I think it, it's probably a misunderstood weapon though, right? Because people think that you can only really do one thing with it. No, it's it's amazing. When you know how to use it, it's almost like dancing. It's, it's so, so nice to look at. Uh, and you can do a lot of stuff with it. You can do disarms. You can fight against also longer weapons with Tomahawk. Uh, you can fight against Tomahawks. Uh, there is, uh, I've seen some face against, uh, against like uh, rifles. <laughs> so it, it is, it is amazing, quite versatile uh, weapon. Uh, although, and, but it's, the problem is that there was, it was used by, again, uh, it was used by in many different countries because we think about Tomahawk also, I think, because of the name as this American, Northern American um, kind of weapon. Uh, but it was used by the uh, Vikings, it was used uh, in Europe, uh, it was used all around the place because uh, this like little axe <laughs> is very useful. You can use it as a weapon, you can use it as a tool. And many, uh, like, and a lot of people all around the place throughout history were just using these small axes. Uh, but there is not really, uh, I don't think that there is any manual which talks about fighting with it. I'm not sure about, uh, about like, uh, if there is anything about Norse weapon kind of fighting because they have a lot of axe. Uh, like types of fighting, uh, a lot of access there, but I'm not sure if uh, if there is anything about uh, hatchet or tomahawk or like the small axe thing. Uh, most of it was uh, the books I have are written by this uh, uh, guy from US and he just uh, took all the stuff which was like almost word of mouth uh, or just written in letters uh, and just took something out of it and tried to make his own system. But with the, this small, oh, uh, I just remember these like small axes were also used by the Romans, by the, uh, by the Roman legions. So it was for a very long time and for something which was with us for such a long time, it's very weird that we don't have any manual <laughs> how to use it. Uh, but uh, it is still in use, I think, by Navy SEALs, for example. So yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess because it's so useful as a tool as well. Uh, yeah. You know, I I know uh, where you talked about them being used against like uh, rifles and bayonets and stuff. Um, yeah, I, like I've done a little bit of sort of uh, ship boarding action stuff um, where they use axes. You know, and they're obviously using axes to cut ropes and things, but also to sort of hook the end of the of the bayonet uh, just to make yeah. sure that it's not, you know, shooting way, yeah. you or stabbing yeah. you. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. Um, and I mean, the 
the thing that I did before I got into uh, reenactment was uh, I did uh, sorry into uh, Hema was Viking reenactment. Um, so I like axes. I've got I've got <laughs> three or four axes, and I've got one heavy one, one medium weight one, and then very one very light one. Um, and the heavy one is for like when you're doing uh, a shield wall thing and you just want to mm -hmm. pull somebody's shields down because that's great. I don't have to do anything then. I just hook somebody's shield, pull it down and then a spearman just comes in over the top and yeah. sort of pops them. So that's great. Um, and then the light one, you can take that out when you're doing sort of like more single combat. Um, so, yeah, I've got, a lot of, I've got a lot of love for axes. I think they're really cool. Uh, yeah. The only... The only trouble with them is that you can't, you can't, because obviously health and safety stuff, you can't hook body parts because <laughs> it's quite dangerous. So yeah, uh, but it'd be interesting to sort of play around with that, I think. Yeah, I did, when I teach Tomahawk, I show sometimes like that you can hook like somebody's ankle or like the wrist or something like that. But uh, with Tomahawks, it's, uh, it's hard, it, you shouldn't do like uh, sparring really uh, because it's, you will just lose your fingers. <laughs> uh, and that was, that was also interesting thing about tomahawks that uh, when, and right now I'm talking about uh, US, Northern America, uh, when they were, uh, for example, when uh, they were fighting, the two tribes were fighting, they were choosing champions because they didn't all wanted to die. <laughs> so they were choosing champions who will be fighting uh, for them. Uh, and in general, the last, the, the champion who like, uh, who survived at least and the other just died, this tribe won, but in, in the end, both probably would die because of, all the injuries which which uh, sadly uh, these tomahawks were quite prone to to inflict yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very very hard to with such weapon with uh, tomahawk obviously this uh, beard of an axe uh, is very small and it doesn't even with the bigger axes sometimes you have one which will cover your hands if you are in this closer grip but with tomahawk no you will there's nothing which will save you yeah i've seen um i'm thinking of that scene from the revenant do you know the one yeah. i mean at the end yeah. where they're just yes. chopping pieces of each other off and it's just horrible um it's a, yeah, it's a brutal it. fight <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's the same. I, I find it's often the same with uh, Dagger. So if I'm doing Rondel, um, I just find that it's it's usually who got off better, you know, because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff again in Fury where you're you know you're covering and all this sort of stuff. But the issue I find is that like even if you get these blocks in and you're sort of like and you and you're blocking and you're doing these kind of like disarms and stuff in sparring. I usually just get these kind of like sewing machine attacks in on me and it like, you know, and somebody just kind of like forces it in. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's really hard to come away clean from a fight with two rondels. Um, so I imagine it's maybe the same thing. 
I guess so. I guess so. Obviously, in uh, when you are doing sparring with these short, close-range weapons, it's it's always a little bit of a trade-off, I think. Uh, and but that's the same in like normal fight. If you are seeing somebody with a knife, uh, well, if you cannot run away, you probably will get injured. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and even if you know how to, and not many people do, uh, how to fight against that, you will still get injured. Uh, maybe you won't die and you will be able to like just, I don't know, try to kill the other person or something like that. But still, both people probably will get injured because it's such a close range. Thing. Yeah. So I think it was it was the same with frontal daggers and and all these weapons. Yeah, yeah. So which is your um, which is your is tomahawk your favorite then? I think so. Um, I I must say it was it was the weapon I learned uh, not that long ago though because that was something I've seen uh, on one fight camp which I don't re remember, it was 2013, I think, something like that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I saw people uh, with tomahawks and I joined uh, one of the classes and I just fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think that's, that's, that's my favorite. And since then I'm, I'm, I was doing it and it is really beautiful. It is super brutal, but it is very beautiful uh, to watch. It is really like dancing. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I like it. Um, I like going to the fight camp and seeing the different things on this, on display. Um, so a friend of mine does uh, Shasta video, um, mm -hmm. which is like the, it, it, what does it mean? Like weapon, weapon art. Um, so Asante Lola, I've had him on the podcast and we were talking about it and it's just, it's so different to what I, I know and what I do. And like, the, I, I think it looks great. I think it looks great. I think, yeah, again, it's quite, um, or the, there's another martial art called um, Kalari Payat and it's like, it's so much like dancing um, but it's so physical as well, like and, and capoeira, you know, those kind of things where I'm like, I could never do that in a million years. My nephew does it. He can do backflips. He's doing like one-handed cartwheels and all, all, all that sort of stuff. I'm like, I can barely to like, I can barely do a tuta volta without falling over. So, you know, um, it's really, obviously it's really impressive. Um, but I mean, yeah, because I, I was expecting uh, long swords to be your favorite because that was kind of like your, your uh, that's the thing that you've, I, I'm guessing you've won the most gold medals with? Mm, I, would, I would say so, yes. Yeah? <laughs> but there is no tomahawk, tomahawk tournament, hey. Well, I mean, not a legal one. I'm pro there's probably like a you know, a fight club style tomahawk <laughs> thing that you could join, but I don't know that it would be advisable. Um, Probably not. No. <laughs> I would, I would, I would, it would end my career as yeah. anything without my hands, I must say. As a yeah. scientist, it probably cannot work a lot without. Yeah, yeah. it would probably, yes. yeah, not be the best. Um, I got a gold medal, but I don't have any more fingers, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean, people people assume longsword's my favorite weapon, 
when um, when I talk to them. And I don't know that it is. Like, I love a long sword because it's... Because, again, I love things like The Witcher. Um, I'm looking forward to Series 2 of The Witcher. I played the video games a lot. Um, I had... Uh, I don't like to brag about it, but I'm friends with Doug Cockle, the voice of The Witcher, uh, the voice of Geralt of Rivia. I do like to brag about it. I bring it up all the time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and, I mean... That and the longsword, like in Lord of the Rings, it's it's that, you know, it's that um, that iconography of it. You know, it's the iconography of like swordsmanship in the West, I guess. Um, so maybe it is my favorite. I don't know. I like. I've talked myself into it now. I think it might be, but <laughs> but um, because with the with the Witcher School, you you included like magic like the hand signs and stuff, didn't you? Uh, I did, but I done, most of my lessons were, uh, were just fencing. I've done some uh, with the magic and signs, but that was, that was, I'm afraid that was just the really, uh, not that much when you see, because uh, Witcher School has quite a lot of lessons uh, and most of the days is almost lessons from morning to the evening uh, and if you are a teacher you have eight hours of fencing <laughs> of teaching fencing <laughs> every day <laughs> so yeah after after that you are just brainwashed uh, but uh, <laughs> you can only only do one thing um, but same uh, teaching um, mm -hmm. what, what what were the swords you were using? Uh, they were, I'm not sure if they were similar to the, uh, they weren't very safe, that's, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> they are these uh, cold steel, uh, like these plastic uh, black swords. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. but everybody, <laughs> everybody, everybody survived. Yeah. <laughs> and we used it only for drills uh, and for like uh, also uh, like solo drills and drills slow drills in uh, pairs and when we were doing some more of a sparring or something like that we used these uh, larp swords uh, larping swords which are obviously like from foam uh, yeah. so they are super safe and I hate them because they don't have weights, so <laughs> you can just fight like that with them. <laughs> and most of the people do in the end of the day uh, when oh, no. they very, very light swords. So uh, unfortunately, all the technique goes out of the window. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. at least they're safe and they won't kill each other or somebody. <laughs> yeah, because those um, cold steel swords, I've I've had to like somebody turned up with one in um in my class and i said okay you can use it for drills but don't use it for anything else like don't use it for sparring because it's just it's just a lump it's just a massive lump of plastic and i was like so yeah maybe maybe don't maybe don't do that um but then even in a drill um i think they gave another student a concussion um and i was like okay uh, i'm not gonna allow i'm not gonna allow these to be used anymore because they're yeah they're just not safe uh, at all yeah. Uh, yeah. i mean they were fine i like the 
students were fine. They survived. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's good. Have you ever, because um, I, like I really like that. I like that element of, um, you know, the Witcher series, the sort of like the hand signs, the magic stuff. And I think that it's sort of really nice that we sort of have an aspect of that in historical manuals where if you read some of the house books they've got things like alchemy and like different magic spells and stuff like that I'm like that's that's really cool because that's real i mean not real but you know what i mean it's like that's historical um so yeah that's, yeah. that's true uh, as i said uh, i didn't i i introduced some of the signs during witcher school but because it's uh, they also have separate lessons for signs uh and because i do it eight hours a day uh i just yeah. sometimes can do only that much uh, it's obviously they also are uh, in groups so it's not that i'm teaching one group for eight hours because we will all go mad by yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I, it's like, I think, two hour lessons uh, for each group. So there are four groups uh, and they have like two hour lessons. Uh, but if you want to teach them uh, like a, at least some basics of fencing, uh, then there is not much time left for other stuff. But by the, by the uh, like last lesson, I also put some, some signs there. Uh, to make it more witchery. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I know what you mean about um, you teach people, you know, uh, you teach people the stances, you teach people measure, you teach people, and you give them these drills to do. Uh, and you're like, okay, so this is how you respond to this pressure. This is how you do this. And then you finally let them do sparring. And it's just, ah, ah, kind of thing. And they just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because people are, stop thinking about the what they just learned they got sword in their hands so yeah. <laughs> all their attention is on the sword uh, and that's true and also uh, during witcher school that was quite interesting uh, experience because i was teaching uh, groups of people which again have people who never done any uh, activity apart from walking down the street uh, uh, people who done uh, quite a lot of uh, martial arts, uh, people who done some uh, at least uh, sports, uh, and it was very mixed group. Uh, and it, I needed also to think about that. So the people who never done anything were just playing video games. <laughs> uh, at least will be able to do stuff and it won't be too complicated for them and still interesting. Uh, and people who have more knowledge, uh, either like, or like skills, uh, also won't be bored to death there. Yeah. So it was, it was also a learning experience for myself. Yeah. But I mean, you get that in HEMA as well, don't you? Like whenever you teach a workshop, um, yeah. I, like I, I went to a workshop I can't remember who I was telling about this actually it was on the podcast but the first workshop I taught at Fight Camp Skirmish I was like okay then guys we're going to do this and there's Fiore and blah 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 and somebody put their hand up about halfway through the class and went sorry who is Fiore and I was like what I was like what do you, what do you mean and then um, 
And then I was like, oh, yeah, okay, because, like, maybe that's not something they study in, in their school. So I was like, fucking ask me who Fiore is. And then, like, and then, but then he, so I explained it. And then I was chatting to them, and they said, oh, yeah, I'm not part of a school. Um, I literally, they, they bought a jacket, they bought a mask, they bought uh, gloves and, a, like, a rolling sword, and they just rocked up. And I'm like, oh, cool, okay. That's actually you know, a pretty good introduction to HEMA then, hopefully, um, you know, uh, but absolutely zero knowledge of fencing, of martial arts, or anything like that, but yeah, as you say, I mean, you get people who do all these training, like, all this training, and I've seen, um, I've seen videos of people doing, like, uh, Okinawan karate, and they're like, you know, they're really intense doing their carters. And, you know, they're doing the sort of like the square hand blocks and they're going side to side and they're doing all this sort of stuff. Uh, and, you know, and the punches are really quite, you know, they're just so as well. But then you see them fight each other and it's just, it's just this mess. They're just kind of like, ah, shit, you know, covering their head up, the, you know, their punches are wild and they're going all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that when you are in a drill or like solo drill or just concentrating on one thing, uh, for example, like your uh, steps or hand movements, uh, then it's easier for you. But when you need to suddenly concentrate on everything and also there is a person in front of you who attacks you or you need to yeah. win, uh, then uh, no. And, and we also see that in the tournaments. So, yeah. hey, it, it's the same. Like in the tournament, if you are uh, able to do like a proper technique and it works in a tournament, then it's yay. Whoa, that's, that's amazing. That's that's something which we also have obviously the uh, prizes for uh, yeah. for the best technical fencer so yeah yeah no absolutely and it i mean it's funny because yeah you do sit in the tournaments and you do see like even experienced fences and i mean i've done it like if i get somebody coming at me with some really awkward weird shit and it's just like and they're coming at me like oh like that I'll, I'll i'll be like i'll lose all poise sometimes not all the time but i'm like jesus christ i don't know what you're doing so yeah um it's it is something that i, I have to think about sometimes you know and uh yeah um but i think so I've been talking to people a lot about tournaments recently and how they're going to change now. Um, how do you think they're going to change? Because you're involved in Wessex League, aren't you? You're involved in. I'm. The... I'm involved in Wessex League and Albion Cup uh, as well. Uh, and at the moment, it's hard to say. I know that some people are organizing, not in the UK. I don't think in the UK we had any tournaments uh, recently. But I know that in Europe people are organizing tournaments. Uh, I have my, a bit mixed feelings about it, uh, but, you know, uh, these pandemics will end at some point, so the tournaments will come back. Yeah. Uh, but at the moment, uh, I'm not sure if I would organize a tournament. It's like a lot of people in a very close space, uh, a lot of people who are, uh, breathing <laughs> uh, and it's very hard for example to wear a mask under a mask uh, 
and I think it's it's a for me it's a mistake. Uh, for me, uh, if first uh, it's hard to breathe. Uh, even in a mask, fencing mask, it's hard to breathe. Second, this mask, because uh, fencing mask needs to be quite tight. So the uh, surgical mask or any mask you will put under fencing mask will touch your nose, touch your face, which just makes it totally like pointless. And also you are sweating, so it will be also wet. <laughs> so it also makes it pointless. Uh, and for me, wearing masks uh, under masks, uh, especially in like, like in tournaments where you, it, it is quite a lot of physical activity and and uh, it's it's just without any sense. I wouldn't allow it. I, I would just say let's not organize a tournament. That just wait until it will be safer. Uh, I would say probably like outdoor tournaments would be much safer. Uh, at the moment, if we would need to organize a tournament, uh, but I would I would just wait, especially as I mentioned in the beginning with this track and trace and people calling you telling that you need to quarantine because you are in the same place as the person who got COVID. Uh, we might get like whole tournaments suddenly like that, which is also a bit uh, no, it's it's not nice for anybody yeah yeah no i get that um because i've been talking to um my sort of my old school like the people that i i used to do hema with when i was out in italy and obviously they had a really bad time of it um and you know now they're talking about doing tournaments but like tournaments outdoors in Italy like I, I trained outdoors there once or twice and the Mediterranean heat is like I suck in the heat you know I can't do anything um I, I can't think you know I just I I have to I, I get really really grouchy um and yeah I've just got no energy so like training in the Mediterranean heat and if you had to wear like as you say like a mask under the mask as well because I was talking to um, um, like my BJJ coach and we were talking about different um, uh, different chokes and like how uh, some some chokes are there to close off the airways some chokes are there to close off the well basically like pinch the the the, uh, the veins so that oxygen's not going to the brain and you know and they pass out or tap out um but there was a there was something that people started doing recently not recently like a while back which was just um they would just cover the the nose and mouth with the hand so rather than trying to like um you know get their forearm around the neck for like a rear naked choke they would just uh, cover up the, the mouth and nose and because people are breathing deep and you know they're obviously exerting themselves um they if if it was kind of like two or three minutes into a grappling session they would pass out from it or they'd get dizzy and all this sort of stuff and i'm like yeah so that's kind of what what we're doing with the like the mask under the mask but we're doing it to ourselves kind of thing you know yeah yeah it obviously masks are useful and they work and you won't i don't know die <laughs> because of them uh if you are just wearing them correctly but masks under masks are just 
seriously pointless. Uh, they are they're pointless, and I'm saying that as a as a scientist and virologist and somebody who's very pro masks, but not under fencing masks. Yeah. No, I mean I'm pro masks. Don't get me wrong. It pisses me off when I'm at work and you know somebody comes in and they've got it over their chin, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, can you can you put a mask on, please? And they're like, I'm wearing a mask, and I'm like, yeah, 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 you are. That is correct technically. <laughs> you know do i have to be specific about it you know yeah i get that <laughs> yeah I, I yeah it's going to be one of those things that's uh, like i um i put a youtube video up i'm doing these youtube uh shorts because um uh i about a i don't know what which day i'm on now but i'm doing like a hundred uh a hundred days of fighting um just with different weapons against different opponents uh just to see what it's like you know um to try and fight every day even if it's like just for half hour um and it's it's kind of you know it's exhausting for the most part and it's kind of annoying as well because it's like if i come in from you know a nine or 11 hour day where i've been working and i and i'm like right okay i've got i've got to do some fencing um and the most exhausting thing is like putting my jacket on and putting everything on and then going, okay, now I'm ready. But that part is just a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, but I came home and I had my second, uh, second injection of AstraZeneca uh, and I went out the back and Melissa and I had a fight and we were just using boffers. And it's the first time we've used the foam swords for this 100 days of fighting thing. But I was like, I, I'll either be a danger to melissa because if i'm using a heavy sword and i've got no control because i'm just tired um and i'm a little bit dizzy and you know stuff like that um you know i'll either be a danger to her or i'll be a danger to myself so we went, okay we'll just use the boffers and um yeah she just knocked me around for like half an hour and then eventually i just fell over because i was exhausted and um i put this video up on youtube and loads of anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers and whatever you want to call them flat earthers they they started commenting going like why would you get that injection and it's like why the fuck do you think like oh my <laughs> yeah that's 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 horrible i i got that uh, a lot uh, i mean anti-vaxxers uh, unfortunately because I also have uh, like a science communication uh, profile on Facebook and Twitter and it's exhausting but uh, what can we do I'm just I'm just trying to explain calmly that's 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 important and you just don't know what you are talking about <laughs> yeah no I know exactly what you mean I just I don't know where they're getting these statistics from as well um there, there was one, and I can't remember what it was, and I thought, that's got to be a joke, right? Uh, it was something like, uh, you have, you know, uh, there's a 0.1% chance or something that you'll you'll die from, um, from the, the, uh, COVID or something. There's like zero, like zero, no, it was even less than that, like 0.02% chance that you'll get, like that you'll die from COVID. Why would you get the vaccine and all this sort of stuff? And I'm like, where did you get that from? Where did you get that statistic? You can't just make things up and call that an argument, you know? Well, but, yeah. 
but uh, but they do. I'm really looking forward to um, uh, to travel uh, being a thing again, though. Um, it would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I know you're into travel. I know you like traveling, and uh, I, I I love traveling. Because um, I'm quite impetuous. Um, I turned to Melissa. This was a couple of years ago, and I was just like, "Let's just let's go to Dresden." So we did, and it was great. Um, I, I just wanted to see the museum there. Um, and I, I normally do this. And what's good is that I'll I'll come up with something. I'll say, I want to go here and Melissa will make it happen because um, she knows I don't have the follow through or the organizational skills to do it. Um, but I stood up the other day and I was like, let's go to Japan. And she was like, yeah, that's not happening. Um, she was like, that's not going to happen. Sit back down. <laughs> you know? uh, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to traveling again. Is there a... Is there anywhere that you're looking forward to going to in particular when COVID? Yeah, it is. Uh, in fact, we have even something booked for, where is it? When is it? It's October, uh, in October. Uh, so it was meant to be uh, January this year, but obviously there was like huge spike and everybody uh, closed in their homes. Uh, but uh, then uh, hopefully in October it will work. We, we will be going to Malta and I've been there before uh, at the event uh, actually, uh, like the Hima event. And I really like people there, they're amazing. And the club there is also great. Uh, and it's, it's a super nice place. It looks like from the fairy tale or from one of these, I don't know, uh, pirates-like uh, uh, films. So it is, it is awesome. I love Malta. And also, uh, not like you, I like hot weather. So for me, <laughs> Uh, sun and hot weather, especially in uh, like October, November, when there is 25 degrees there. Uh, for me, it's just like heaven. <laughs> but, so I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully it will work this time. Yeah. Uh, my other favorite, favorite place uh, to travel, I think, is uh, Italy and especially Tuscany, Florence. So that's, that's also my, my favorite place, but I haven't been there for a while now. And I hope that again, at some point I will be able to. Yeah, I love Malta as well. I've been there maybe, I think four times I've been to Malta. Um, and like, I absolutely love it, but now the heat, like I've got to be near the sea. Um, so I can just run in the sea and cool down. <laughs> yeah, but the last time I was there, um, I was, uh, you know, I was sitting on the beach and I put on, I don't know, like suntan lotion factor a thousand or whatever, because it's really, really hot there. And uh, I remember putting it on and going like, yeah, do your worst, the Earth's sun, right? And um, I lay down and I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I was like, oh, cool, nice and bronze. That's all right. Okay, no sunburn or anything. But my eyebrows were blonde. Like it had dyed my eyebrows blonde. So I was like, ah, oh, shit, I didn't, you know, I didn't think of that. So. Yeah, yeah. That, that can happen, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was, I looked really weird. Because um, my hair was still like, it's black. My hair was still black, but my eyebrows were like, like bleach blonde. So yeah, that was, that was great. Um, <laughs> and then 
yeah, Italy. I obviously love Italy. I lived out in Italy for four years. I got into uh, I got into Hema when I was out um, in Italy, and I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but that was that was kind of like almost like witcher schooly in a way because uh, I got into Fiore and Hema out out in Italy. Um, I basically my first um, experience of it was. There was a workshop being done by Guy Windsor and some other some other people who were like uh, big in Fiore, uh, and it was it was done in a courtyard in a castle overlooking the the Roman um, uh, landscape, you know. So it was that was that was cool, uh, and and we got to we got to stay uh, near the castle and sort of like in view of the castle and stuff like that, and that was. That was amazing. I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is for me, actually. Um, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm properly into this. So I found a HEMA school out there, and that's how I met. Um, that's how I met the guys that I trained with out there. Um, and up until that point, I wasn't really bothered learning Italian. Um, like I liked it. I liked the sound of it. But it was after that that I started learning like a little bit, just so I could, just so I could communicate with the the people in the school. <laughs> but. Yeah, um, uh, I really like Italy. I don't speak Italian, but <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a great place. It's, it's really, I don't know. It's wonderful living there because it's quite laid back. But then sometimes the laid back bit pisses me off a bit because you know a bus driver just didn't show up because he couldn't be bothered that day you know, and that sort of stuff. And you think, oh, that's a stereotype. But then you go and live there and you're like, oh no, that's real, you know? Um, and yeah, that sort of stuff. That that kind of wound me up a little bit, I gotta be honest. Um, and again, yeah, I really like Florence, but it was this thing of, I'd go into a cafe and I'd like, you know, in a bar and I'd be like, yeah, can I get, you know, can I get uh, a, a cappuccino? Um, and they'd go, are you staying in or going, you know, taking away, and they could tell that we were foreign. So it was like, oh, if you're going away, it's six euros, you know, because we said, oh, we're taking out. Um, and then we go to another one, and we'd say, oh, we're staying in. Oh, if you're staying in, it's six euros, and it's like, oh, man, why are we always getting gouged? <laughs> I, I, I didn't find that much in Florence. In Rome, that was that was something on every like every cafe every shop every street uh, yeah. they really didn't um, i don't know like tourists <laughs> in in florence there is less of it i think but in the tourists more touristy places probably that that also can happen uh, at least in florence it's it's smaller and it's also very studenty uh, place so they are used to foreign people i think yeah yeah fair enough i think like my second visit was better for that um i think but yeah um and florence is like i i have fond memories of florence because florence is where i asked melissa to marry me um and it was a really unro like it was a very romantic setting but it was a really unromantic proposal because i'm not like i'm not that i'm not a very traditional person or anything um and I wasn't planning it. We were just at the top of the Duomo in, in Florence. And I just went, I never wanted to get married. But uh, yeah, I guess you can consider this a proposal. <laughs> and um, 
yeah uh and that was kind of my yeah that was kind of how i asked her to marry me and that was uh it wasn't the best but you know she said yes yeah, so i kind of won so yeah no, that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah are you going when you go out to malta are you going out for an event or are you going just for a holiday no, just for holiday really i i plan to probably meet some people from from the club there uh but i'm not taking swords with me or anything uh not this time um but <laughs> so just just for holiday this time at least yeah uh also traveling uh, right now traveling is a pain in the neck and i don't know how it will be traveling with swords i i normally travel uh, i traveled before quite a lot with swords so uh, or all around europe uh but uh, right now traveling even with luggage <laughs> will be like normal suitcase uh is complicated uh and i'm i'm a bit worried how it will look with swords but we'll see yeah yeah no i get that um because i'll be doing a workshop in puya next year with uh, jay maxwell um and uh and and his guys and it's one of those things where i'm like yes i'm well up for that and then about a week later i, I was thinking about it i'm like oh man that's going to be such a pain in the ass um so yeah i'm i got invited to do uh, uh to uh do a lesson uh in germany uh in september uh i don't remember right now the name of the place i'm going to so sorry <laughs> but yes it's in september and i also it's quite soon uh, so again we don't know if it will happen even because of the still COVID. Uh, but uh, i'm also like i don't know i don't know how i will travel then maybe on the one hand i was thinking maybe i would do just fury grappling but then how do you do grappling lesson in pandemic <laughs> like yeah <laughs> Yeah. And it's it's really hard as well is because like you you do this thing where you're like okay so you know you do the culpa di villano and you know and the and the blade comes up and you step in and then you you got to step back cuz you don't want to get too close and and it's just yeah it's crap <laughs> so yeah um no I know what you mean cuz I was you know um I was talking to Jack Gasman um out in ireland and he was talking about some guys coming across and them doing some sparring and, and things and i was seriously considering at the end of at the end of this month going over doing some sparring with those guys and then coming back and it would involve working all day saturday and then traveling through the night to pembroke um across the ferry during the night maybe sleeping on the ferry or whatever uh doing like a few days of fighting and then coming back again um and i was like i don't like i'm i'm well up for it i'll do it unfortunately the days it it, it ended up not being possible because the days didn't line up um and uh i was i was kind of pissed off because my my cousin was having her wedding out in in Ireland on the days when he had planned originally to do this sparring i was like i could have booked that off gone to ireland 
stuck around for the wedding for like two hours and then taken my swords and just gone and, and trained with those guys. Um, but yeah, I don't know how it would be, you know, going to Ireland, coming back, would I have to self-isolate? Would I have to, you know, do all this sort of stuff? How would they feel about me? You know, yeah, it, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, yeah. And like I'm, I'm more than happy to train with people in Britain at the moment because there's loads of people in Britain that I've never fought. Uh, I don't think you and I have even fought. Haven't we? Even at the tournament? I don't think so. I don't think oh. we've fought. I, I, yeah, I know. Um, it's so weird. <laughs> I know, it is. It's really, it is quite strange because I've fought Rob a few times and I've fought, um, I've fought Fran a bunch. I knew cornered Fran for one of the fights that I had with Fran, but I've never, you and I have never actually fought. So okay, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, so, because uh, you're going to fight camp, aren't you? Yes, yes, so, I'll be teaching there as well. Yeah, so we'll have to, we'll have to do, uh, we'll have to do a fight there. Um, I've got a, I've got um, the, uh, the Cold Steel Tomahawks, uh, like one of the Cold Steel. I have them. I have I have loads of them. I have also the metal ones. <laughs> right, okay. So I mean, we could like we could either do Fury v Fury, or we could just go tomahawks and just come away with no fingers. That's yeah, one. yeah. We can do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'm afraid I'm well. We'll see on, at fight camp. I'm I'm really rusty, as I said. I didn't do much. I think for. A long time my because also apart from working as a virologist and trying to i don't know do something with this madness outside uh, i uh, i was also finishing my uh, phd and that was write up and it was horrible it was like 13 hours a day of writing and the only thing i had time for was like one hour run um, around Oxford and coming back and, and writing again. So when I will, uh, in, during this lesson next week, I expect that uh, probably, I, I need to prepare for that as well, but probably after next week, after this whole workshop, I will be uh, in pain <laughs> because, because my muscles probably are not, not used to that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it is like, it, it's such a massive shock to the system. Um, like even when you, uh, I was talking to um, a student of mine, Ben, and he runs, he runs this company from the shadows. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, basically he had to take two months off because he had to go to another branch of the company or something like that. And he came back and he told me that he and I had a fight and he told me I legitimately thought I was going to die. He said that like he said that was like uh, my heart was racing so fast. And uh, I think he said he went home and he sat down and he thought I'm going to die. I felt like I'm going to die, kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I've done some uh, physical activity. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully, I won't die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, fencing, yeah, I, I expect to find these weird groups of muscles in places I forgot that I have muscles. Yeah. Like in between ribs, for example, that's that's funny place to to yeah. have these like very sore muscles. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always get my my hip flexors for me. They're really they're always like if I do any sort of like heavy sparring, and I'm like I don't know why. Like, yeah, it's really strange. So if I if I go for a while without doing any sparring, it's my hip flexors, um, not my shoulders. Not anything like that, not what you would think, you know, would would uh, give you sort of aches and pains or anything. Yeah, it's just, just really obscure muscle group. Um, so, yeah, um, this has been great fun. I know that you've got to get off and walk Flora. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so where can people find you online? Uh, so online, uh, I'm the uh, leading instructor at the School of the Sword, Oxford, uh, which still don't really like have any lessons, but hopefully at some point this year. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you can find me there on Facebook. We have a website, a website we have a page. Uh, it is also like in general for School of the Sword because School of the Sword have branches. Uh, and there is also like a page for School of the Sword Oxford. Uh, and I have my own uh, instructor uh, Facebook page uh, where uh, it's like mostly about me as an instructor and fencer. Uh, so that's that's the main main places uh, if you want to find me when it goes to fencing and not uh, viruses. <laughs> <laughs> You want to give people your information about viruses or are you afraid that you'll just get loads of people going covid's a myth oh please please uh, they can they can come uh, <laughs> uh, yeah there is, there is also a facebook page uh, uh with, with the same name emilia skirmund uh, which is uh, evolutionary virologist or Emilia Skirmund, fencer and instructor so the, these two pages if, if you want to find me and i'm also on twitter and on Twitter, it's uh, E. Uh, Skirmund, uh, and that's mostly, I'm afraid, uh, viruses uh, and no words. <laughs> but, but it's also fun. Yeah, I, I comment on, on stuff which is happening with pandemic, but not only, also with, uh, I give uh, interesting virus facts, uh, facts there, so yeah. <laughs> about, fun, about the fun viruses, like Ebola. Yeah, yeah, not, not COVID, I mean yeah. SARS-CoV-2. <laughs> Um, no, thanks very much for this. This has been great. Uh, it was great fun. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> no, you're very welcome. It was awesome. If you'd like to find out more about historical European martial arts, visit www.academyofsteel.com. Or if you'd like to shoot us over a question, you can do it at info at academyofsteel.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok.